Great to see you, um, and I'm excited today to be here with you to share the Word of God. If you were looking at the schedule, um, maybe you thought it was Sam that was going to be here today, so I apologize for that. I'm not Sam, um, but we actually changed because I'm going to be away next week, and uh, so I took Sam's spot, and Sam's going to speak next Sunday. So I'm going to bring a slide up here in a second, and today I'm going to speak to you from Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. And I've entitled this message, The Forgiven Man. And I think this is a, a very powerful message. Likely the greatest experience that any one of us as human beings could have is to know for certain that we have been forgiven, that our sin is gone, and that we are right with God. And so I've entitled this message, The Forgiven Man. And what we're going to talk about today is how God can actually forgive sinners. How a righteous and a holy God can forgive sinners. We've been doing a study on the book of Romans and the book of Romans is really all about man's relationship with God and God's righteousness in, in contrast to where we are and how we can be made right. So in chapter 1 of this book, we looked at the corrupt man. And if you look at Romans chapter 1, you see those that suppress truth. Those that have rejected God, and they are given over to their sin, the corrupt man. When we looked at chapter 2, really it's the inexcusable man. So in contrast to those that live in this awfulness of sin, in chapter 2 you have the religious man, the one who is judging others and not realizing that he's actually condemned himself. And so in chapter 2, the religious man is without excuse. When you get to chapter 3, the book of Romans, maybe one of the most well-known passages in all the Bible, all humanity is brought before God, the heathen, the Jew, the Gentile, Everyone, all classes of people are brought before God in Romans chapter 3 and the conclusion is all are guilty. None are righteous. Not even one. Every mouth is stopped and all the world is declared guilty before God. So when you look at Romans 1, 2, and 3, it's a pretty dark picture. It's, it's something that none of us really like to look at or contemplate for very long because what we see in the Bible is we see a mirror. It's a, it's a reflection of our own hearts. We see our own corruptness. We see our own depravity. And, and it's not just certain classes of people. It's the whole world. 
It's all humanity. We are guilty. We are corrupt. Okay, so, is there any hope? Is there any salvation? Is there any possible justification? And there is. And that's why we have the gospel. That's why we're here today to be able to share with you all this amazing truth of how a sinner can be forgiven before a righteous God and his character still stay intact. That's what we're going to look at, the forgiven man. So, a summary of what we're going to say today is, is this right here. Righteousness comes by faith apart from any works. Righteousness comes by faith apart from any works. And this verse that we're going to read in Romans 4 and 5 is maybe the key verse in the entire chapter. And I've got it up here in the NLT translation. I have been influenced by Ime. I have a copy of the NLT, and I've been reading it. And you know what? It's good. It's really good. I, I like the translation because it brings it right down to the way that we speak today. And so I'm not opposed to the King James Version. I was raised on it. And I like the ESV. It's good. But the NLT brings the truth of God into our language today. And so that's what I want to share with you. This is a great verse. People are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. That's an amazing truth that God Almighty is able, ready, and willing to forgive sinners. So we're going to read in Romans chapter 4, we're going to read the first 11 verses. Romans 4, 1 to 11. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. David said, this is a reference from Psalm 32, Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. 
Is this blessing then only for the circumcised, i.e. Israel? Is this blessing only for Israel? Or is it also for the uncircumcised Gentiles? We say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but it was before he was circumcised. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted unto them as well. So really what he's saying in that passage is every person that believes God can come into this righteous standing. It's not just for Abraham. It's not just for Israel. This is an amazing blessing that if you and I or anyone in the world was willing to believe what God says, you can be counted righteous. We're going to look at that word counted. I just learned this in my study. The original word in Romans chapter 4 for counted or reckoned, it is actually there 11 times. And it's a, an accounting term that's super interesting. We're going to look at it a little bit further along. But why don't you drop down to... Um, Verse 19, speaking again about Abraham. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead. Abraham was 100 years old, and Sarah was 90. He did not reckon, sorry, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No distrust made him to waver. He was unwavering in his faith, the promise of God. He grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake only, but for ours, for ours also. This is where Gentiles come into the blessing of a righteous standing with God. We, we can have the same gift. It was not written for him only, but for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised him from the dead, Jesus our Lord. He was delivered up for our trespasses, and he was raised again for our justification. Okay, so here's my message. We are all sinners. Every one of us. We are all guilty. We have all broken God's law. 
There's no excuse. And left to ourselves, we will just follow our sinful nature and we will commit more sin and more sin until eventually we will die. But God in his mercy, in exceeding abundant grace, has made a way for every single person on this planet to be justified, to be made righteous in the sight of God. And there's nothing that you can do to contribute to that. We have nothing that we can offer God. Righteousness can only come by faith. It is a gift that God gives us when we believe God. Okay, now I have a personal question for everyone today. This is between you and God. Are you justified before God? Right now, in this stage in your life, are you personally justified before God? Are you pronounced righteous by God? Or are you exposed to condemnation for your own sin? This is a very, very important question. Probably the most important question in your life. Because if you are justified before God, your soul is saved, you are washed by the blood of the Lamb, you will be in heaven. And you have a guarantee that your sins are forgiven. That's an amazing truth. If you are not yet justified before God, you can be. You can be today. This is an open, willing offer that God is given unlimited to whosoever will may come. Because God has made provision for the entire world. We're going to see that on the next slide. So, in, in our street ministry, uh, we, we talk to a lot of people. And um, I get a, a common response from a lot of people. A, everybody thinks they're a good person. Or B, people think if they have sins in their life, they can forgive themselves. So the Bible teaches contrary to both those two things. There are no good people. And you can't forgive your own sins. Only God can forgive sins. And the greatness of this amazing God is, is that he has provided a way for every single human being to be right with God. And the real purpose of this life, as you journey through these 70, 80 years, whatever you have in your life, some have a lot less, your main purpose is to be right with God. If you are right with God, everything else in your life is gravy. If you are not right with God, everything that you have is short-term and temporary and will be gone the moment that you die. So the critical question for all of us is, are we justified before God? I want to tell you a parable 
about two kinds of people. This is a super interesting little parable that Jesus told. It's found in Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. And this is what it says. There's two kinds of people that Jesus talked about. One, they're the self-righteous, and they're really still condemned. But in themselves, they think they're pretty good. And two, there is a repentant sinner who knows his brokenness, knows his need before God, and has asked for forgiveness and is forgiven. Only two kinds of people. Those that are self-righteous, they don't think they need God, and they're lost. And those that are sinners that have repented of their sin and come to God and received mercy. Jesus told this parable, Luke chapter 18 and verse 9. And he spoke this parable unto them, saying, those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. The one man, a Pharisee, this is a religious scholar that checked all the boxes, did everything right outwardly. The one man was a Pharisee, and the other man was a tax collector. We heard about this guy this morning, the tax collector. You know something about the tax collector? He had a whole track record of cheating, stealing, and lying. Everybody hated the tax collector. He was lower than sinners. He was just a, a despised person. So you got the religious Pharisee and the tax collector who's just a sinner. Two men went up to the temple to pray, both approaching God. And the Pharisee, he says, God, I thank you that I am not like other men are. Oh, I fast twice a week. I give 10% of all the money that I earn. I, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm not an extortioner. And I'm not an adulterer. And I just thank you, God, that I am all of these things. And the publican, the tax collector, the sinner, he wouldn't even get close to God. But he stands afar off, and he beats his breast. And he says, God, God be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all he said. That's all he said. He stood afar off. He wouldn't even lift up his eyes to a holy God. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know the rest of the parable? Jesus said, I tell you, that man went down to his house justified, not like the Pharisee who prayed with himself. So 
This passage brings out some pretty personal, profound truth. Do I see myself before God as righteous because of my works? Well, I, I've never killed anyone. Um, I'm still married. I, I, I pay my taxes. I go to church. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a pretty good person. Or do I see myself with a sinful, corrupt nature capable of committing every sin that has ever been committed and just an unworthy sinner before God? And do I approach God on the basis of who I am and all that I have done? Or do I approach God realizing that God is holy, I'm a sinner, and, and really I have no right to come into the presence of God, and I call for God's mercy. Could I tell you something today? It's those kind of people that God shows mercy to, and he forgives, and he reveals truth to, and he, he does a work of God in their soul, which is amazing. You know, you don't know me. You really don't. And I don't know you. And we all look good on the outside. But God knows our thoughts. God knows our past. God knows all the sin that I've committed. He knows all the sin that you've committed. And he knows that we're just simply capable of doing that because of what we are. But what is so amazing is that God is able, ready, and willing to forgive all our sins. All the past, all the present, all the future, all the messes that you and I have made in our lives. God is able to wipe it clean and justify us. There are two aspects of justification right here in this passage that I think are awesome and I want to share with you. There's a positive aspect if we could say this, and there's a negative aspect if we could say this. On the positive side, when you come to Jesus and believe in him as your savior, God declares you righteous. He gives you his righteousness as a gift. You get the righteousness of Christ when you believe on him. And then he also does something else. He forgives your sins, all your sins, and he does not reckon to you the punishment for your sin that you deserve. That's amazing. So when I come to God and believe in Jesus, I get God's righteousness. He gives it to me as a gift. And all the sins that I've committed, that I deserve to be punished for, he takes away. And he doesn't punish me for them. That's amazing. Are you justified? Guys, this is the greatest blessing that a person can know is to be justified before God. Now, I want to share with you several things from this passage of what it means to be righteous with God. First thing that we read in verse 2 is that Abraham, who believed God, had nothing to boast about. 
It wasn't on any merit of anything that he's done. You know what a lot of people do? Well, you know, I go to church. Um, I, I'm, I'm the very best husband that I could be. Really? I'm, I'm a really good father, and I, I'm, I'm a really good employee, and I do all of these good things. Do you think that those things are anything that will justify us before God? No. Justification comes by faith, and it's a gift, and it's something that none of us deserve. So if we are saved by the grace of God today, we have nothing to boast about. Abraham, if he was justified by his works, he could boast, but not before God. But he wasn't justified by his works. He was justified by his faith. And so you get two examples in this passage. One is about Abraham, who believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And one is about David. Now, David, David was a man after God's own heart, but he was a wicked sinner. David committed murder. David committed adultery. David covered it up. David committed transgressions that were deep-rooted. And yet God, in his mercy, forgave him all his sin. And he didn't punish him for it. Even though there was consequences in David's life, the deep transgressions of David's life were forgiven. And David writes, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sin is covered, unto which the Lord will not impute iniquity. God himself forgave David. And so all of this blessing of having our sins forgiven is undeserved. Nothing to boast of. You know what Paul wrote in Galatians 6? God forbid that I should boast. Save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Righteousness with God is undeserved. Secondly, righteousness with God is unearned. It is unearned. The one who does not work but believes God, his faith is counted as righteousness. It's undeserved and it's unearned. Do you know what else? It's unlimited. Oh, I love that. The blood of Jesus Christ is like a fountain that just never stops. It cleanses us from all sin. It's not limited to Israel. It's not limited to the chosen few. There's not a person living today on the planet that can't have their sins forgiven if they will come, humble themselves, and repent and believe the gospel. This is an unlimited message. It's whosoever will, come, take the water of life freely. Undeserved, unearned, unlimited. It's also unseen. This righteousness with God, I don't have a badge on, 
that says, I'm righteous with God. You don't have a badge on that says, I'm righteous with God. I look at you. I don't know if you are a filthy, wretched sinner on the inside or if you are redeemed by the blood of Christ. This is a very, very personal connection between you and God. And it is based on the promise of faith. Now, if you have believed God, the Bible says it's counted to you as righteousness. If you have not believed God, then you are outside of all the blessing of God's promises. And by the way, let me say this. It's our responsibility to believe God. It is our personal responsibility to believe God. That's why we preach the gospel. Every man is responsible to believe what they have heard, and when you do, you come into this incredible blessing. What's amazing about Abraham is that he was unwavering in his confidence at the promise of God. He didn't stagger. I'm totally amazed at, at Abraham. I mean, he wasn't perfect. After all, he went down to Egypt and lied. But he believed God. One day, God told him, he said, Abraham, you're going to have a son. And that son, through him, is going gonna, is gonna to be a blessing to the entire world. And Abraham's thinking, well, God, I'm, I'm 60, right around David McDonald's age, a couple years away from it. And, and then he gets to be really, really, really old, and he's like Bob Harvey's age, and he's 87, and he's going out and he's saying, God, where's this son? He also kind of, him and his wife hijacked God's deal to try to make it happen on their own. God says, no, no, that's not my time. I will give you a son when the time is right. And then one day God brings Abraham out and he shows him all the stars. Man, you know what? A couple months ago I was in Africa. I saw stars like I never saw stars before. When, when I live in Nova Scotia, I think there's a few stars. <laughs> On a few nights in the year, in a very rare occasion, I could see a few stars. I was out in Africa. Wow! Way out in the wilderness, and I looked up and I seen all the stars. And I saw, wow! Abraham's got many children. This is what God said. He said, look at the stars. Abraham, can you count those stars? No, God, I, I, I can't count those stars. He said, that's how big your family is going to be. Abraham staggered not at the promise of God in faith. He was unwavering. He believed that God was going to make it happen. And you know what happened? God brought it to pass. It happened. He staggered not. He had confidence in the promise of God. Let me stop here and ask you this. This is God's word. 100% infallible, the word of God. 100% of it is true, and it will come to pass. 
Do you believe God? Do you believe this book? This book is more certain than your tomorrow. This book will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. God said, my words will not pass away. Are you standing on the promises of God? You need to be. When I was a young man, I longed to be saved, and I wanted to be sure. And I read the words of God in 1 John 5 and 13. These things have I written unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That was an amazing moment in my life. I believed God. And I have banked my whole eternity on the promise of that verse, that if I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I have eternal life. Do you believe God? You can trust this book. You can trust the word of God. And your faith in the economy of God is counted as righteousness. Now, let me tell you about this word. I don't know if we have any accountants in the house. Any accountants here? Oh, look, we have an accountant. All right, okay. So she's going to understand this. This is an accounting term. It says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. So the word counted, the word reckon, and the word impute are all the same word, and it's an accounting term. And the word literally means in the original to be put on one's account. Okay? It's like a balance sheet. It's like a, a ledger. And on a ledger, you got credits and you have debits. Credits and debits. Everybody understands that. It's pretty basic. Okay? You have a ledger before God. Every one of us. And you all have debits. Every lie, every lust, every time you've taken God's name in vain, disobeyed your parents, been filled with anger and jealousy and all the fruits of the flesh. That's a list of debits. All the debits. How many years have you lived? How many sins have you committed in your life? How big's your ledger? I got to tell you, I got a big ledger. It's a long, long, long list of all the debits of all my sins. What about my credits? Naturally speaking, I got no credits. I can't offer anything to God. I can't say, but God, I'm a good person. No, I got no credits. All I have is I have debits. But here's what happens. The very moment that I believe God, two things happen. All my debits get erased. Gone. Gone. All my debits. All the sins that I've committed my whole life. Because I believe God. They're gone. And all of a sudden, I get this huge credit in my account. The righteousness of God. And God takes the righteousness of Jesus Christ and he gives it to me. 
And now I am clothed in the righteousness of God. And I did nothing to earn it. I simply believed God. And he gave me a gift. A gift. Unearned. Can't pay for it. Got nothing to do towards it. He gives me this gift. That's what happens when a person believes God. Now, I want to ask this question. How can this possibly be? How can this happen? You, you know what I really enjoy? I love talking to Muslims. Love talking to Muslims on the street about Islam. Um, and we, we talk a lot about what Islam is and what Christianity is, and it's usually a really good discussion. But one thing that I love to point out is God is just. God is holy. He does not, and he cannot overlook sin. There must be a payment for sin. There has to be bloodshed. There has to be a life that is given, or all my debits can never be erased. So, in Christianity, there is a sacrifice that God has made in the person of Jesus Christ. And in Islam, I ask them, how are their sins going to be forgiven? And they say, well, you don't know until you stand before God, and hopefully Allah is going to be merciful, and he's going to forgive my sins. And I say, well, how can he forgive your sins? What's the, what's the sacrifice? There's no sacrifice. The Bible teaches really clearly, without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. God's character must be right, and he cannot just overlook sin. There was a price that was paid for your sin. And my brother Christian reminded us when he was praying, it's not cheap. It's expensive. But it's free. And that sounds like a contrast. Sounds like a paradox. It is. The sacrifice that God made cost him everything. And for you, it's a free gift. God Almighty gave his son Jesus, to bear in his own body our sin, our debits, so that we could go free. Do you know what's amazing? My little word, counting, count, reckon, imputed, do you know what I discovered this morning? That's the same word that is used in Isaiah 53 and in Luke 22 when it says, that Jesus was numbered among the transgressors and he bare the sin of many and he made intercession on behalf of transgressors. Jesus was counted. There's my accounting term. He was numbered. He was counted as if he had committed the sins so we could be forgiven. And 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says this. Him who knew no sin was made sin for us that we might be made righteous in the sight of God. How are you made righteous? Jesus died for your sins. He offers you mercy, something you don't deserve. 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your debits will be gone. He will credit you with righteousness and he brings you into the family of God. Our brother Ben aptly reminded us this morning about this major contrast. We were the children of wrath even as others. Living a life of lust and immorality. But God who is rich in mercy brought us into the family of God and now we are the children of God. So the ultimate question is, are you righteous? Are you redeemed? And are you standing on the promises of God? As I wrap this up, I want to share with you uh, these three verses right here. Because they are so clear about my topic. And I'm going to read from the NLT. Okay? If you have your Bible with you, just go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. This is how a person is made righteous with God. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if any man sins, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ atones for the sin of the entire world. And if you don't know him today, you can come right now, just as you are. Accept him as your Lord and Savior. Receive the gift of God, which is eternal life. And you have a credit of his righteousness. And all your debits are gone. Let me point this out further to you. Go to Colossians chapter 2. We talked a little bit about circumcision, which really doesn't mean a whole lot to us. It's a big part of the Jewish heritage. But it was a sign. It was a covenant. It was a mark that God physically had on all the males that were under this covenant. There's a spiritual truth about circumcision. Spiritual. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11. Read this with me. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised. Not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with him, with Christ, when you were baptized. You were raised to a new life when you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. And then God made you alive with Christ he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record. Remember my, my debits? My ledger? All the, the record of all my sins. He canceled it. The charges that were against me. 
I don't know what records you have in your past, but I would say some of you sitting here have probably done some pretty bad things. But God, in his mercy, canceled the record of all my debt the moment I believed in Jesus. He took it out of the way. Why? It was nailed to his cross. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 ends on this amazing note. He was delivered up for our transgressions, our offenses. Jesus Christ took your debits, your sin, my sin, and he took it to the cross, and he was crucified, and God punished him as if he was the one that committed all the sins. And God exchanges for you a standing of righteousness. That's amazing. And then he raised him from the dead and declares to the whole world, he is Lord. He is risen from the dead and he is Lord. And because Christ is risen, we are given the full assurance that we are justified. So where does your righteousness come from? Go to Philippians 3. You know, in Philippians 3, when Paul wrote this, Paul was a Pharisee. He was. He was a religious man. He, he, he hated Christians. In fact, he, he tried to murder them. He wanted to stamp out Christianity, and God arrested him, and his life began, just like we sing. God arrested him, and his life began. And Paul learned amazing truth, and he wrote to the Philippians this whole list. I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the seed of um, Abraham, a tribe of Benjamin, Pharisee of Pharisees. I kept the law. I did all these things, checked all the boxes. Now watch at verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting them as garbage so that I may gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I have become righteous through faith in Jesus Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. Do you believe God? Believe God today and accept this amazing gift of righteousness, all your debits will be wiped out. You'll be given the righteousness of Christ. You'll have eternal security, and you know that when you die, you'll be in heaven. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the mercy and the righteousness of God. In your grace, Lord, you have given us what we don't deserve, the righteousness of Christ, and in your mercy, you have held back what we did deserve, punishment for our sins. 
We thank you, Lord, for every person here that has believed God and has trusted in Jesus alone as their personal Savior. We thank you, Lord, for this amazing truth. We are children of God. We are in the family of God. I just pray that if there's any here and they are still in their sins, maybe some are, are trusting in their own righteousness, I pray, Lord, that you would reveal to them this amazing truth that by grace we are saved through faith. Not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. We thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. Bless our families. Bless this church and take us to our homes in safety and may we enjoy the rest of the day rejoicing in God our Savior. We give thanks in his worthy name. Amen.